Hey, it's Ryan Rosillo. I'm the host of the Ryan Rosillo Podcast at The Ringer. We are a sports show, but we do it a little differently because we want to cut through all of the nonsense and try to figure out what's really happening and give you those bigger picture observations. Do a lot of NFL, a lot of NBA, and of course, college football. Also have a great guest lineup, a lot of athletes, front office guys, and even we do some actors and writers from famous TV shows and movies, plus our life advice segment at the end of every show. So make sure you follow The Ryan Rosillo Show on Spotify. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. Not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. We're getting into that, that, that weird old place, fellas. <laughs> we only got one more game left in the NBA season. Shout out to, uh, what is this, episode 253 of The Full Go podcast? 253. Uh, it's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you. And I apologize uh, because... Thursday's pod was missed and we are back at it. I appreciate everybody and I appreciate all of you also who uh, get this thing for free and couldn't wait to hit me up about my uh, my duties and, and obligations <laughs> to you as a pod listener. So, you know, shout out to y'all, you know, love, love, you know, forever you get in your, your pods, especially here at Spotify. You already know this is the Full Go uh, Podcast. My name is Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer and of course Spotify is the gang. The voices that you have probably already heard are that uh, Tony Gill and Chris Sutton. And uh, like I said, we are getting to that funky, funky part of the sports calendar where we are getting ready to say goodbye to the sport that we all know and love. Uh, the, the, the lovely leather will not be dribbling after Monday's appearance in Denver. Uh, and I just want to, you know, I was surprised because my man, Chris Sutton, you know, he always he always has the accessories. You feel me? Like the, the glasses are always on point. You feel me? The hair tie is always doing what it needs to do. But I'm glad 
on this beautiful, uh, blessed Sunday evening, as my mother would say. Uh, he wore a black T-shirt to the funeral of his Miami Heat because um, Chris Sutton, ladies and gentlemen, you can go back to episodes 252 and 251. The, the, the confidence that the man was speaking with is probably in there somewhere. Oh, they don't uh, need to do that. They don't so need to do that. So much so, you know, like, you ever been around somebody who said some wrong shit but said it, like, strong enough and it kind of mm-hmm. made you, like, you know, maybe my name is Vincent, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know? Like, the way that my man Chris Sutton, you know, he is in the Pacific Northwest, you know, not that far from Denver, right? Like the same vibes, you know, just a different area. The way that this man puffed his chest out, I would have, I'd have thought he was right there on Collins. I'd have thought he was right there on 14th Street. I thought South Beach Chris is what we were getting ready to call him. Chris had saw something in the Miami Heat that I didn't in that moment. Uh, he, he threw out the Jimmy Butler thing again. By the way, by the way, um. If nothing is wrong with Jimmy, and we know the ankle is bothering him, right? Like, and also there's been some news that was floated that uh, probably shouldn't have been floated, you know, about you know family members and health of family members and things of that nature. Uh, he seems like he's not himself, but boy, if everything is cool on the home front, and eh, he got to have a surgery after this, because this is one of those joints where you, 21 points a game. You know, and and we talk about it all the time. Jimmy Butler grounds himself into dust, right? Like he he goes hard, and everybody wants to do the whole yay for Jimmy supernova, like because he was. Hey, it wasn't there wasn't many better players on the planet when this playoff started. And the first two rounds, Jimmy Butler separated himself so much so that we started talking legacy stuff. And you know, Jimmy has worked himself into a Hall of Fame career. All right, so yeah, go ahead and look at the numbers. Look at, look at that. And anybody that has made it to that many all defensive teams, anybody who's made it to this many all star games, anybody who's made it to this many finals as the best player on a team, show me a, a, a team or a player, I should say, with one organization who made it to multiple finals who was clearly the best player on the team that didn't get voted into a Hall of Fame. I think this run alone gets Jimmy into the Hall. Like if they just want yeah. to single out this run. Yeah. And put it yeah. in the hall as a singularity. Yeah. This gets him in. Stare down Giannis and the Bucks, even though like there's gonna be an asterisk on that one for me. You know how like when we zoom out from these seasons, we're like, hey, 2023, beat this shit out the buck, right? It's like he 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 had a hobble Giannis and Chris Middleton ain't gonna be Chris Middleton like we saw before, seemingly going forward. And I think Milwaukee has a real situation on their hands. So much so that Giannis was like, Yeah, you hiring a dude that I want y'all to hire now. Like, it's time for me to cash in all that championship goodwill because I don't know if it's coming back to this piece, right? But Jimmy looked at them, stared them down, stared down not only the Boston Celtics, but also on the the precipice of making history on the wrong side of it in that Celtics series and giving uh, giving up a 3-0 lead, right? So Jimmy Jimmy has done the exact Jimmy thing. Like, there's certain players who work themselves into a certain... um, department in your sports brain where it's like, oh yeah, I've, I'm never going never going to really put that pressure on him. I'm never going to put the he got to win a championship or else pressure on him. We talked about Dame Lillard. I've been talking about Dame Lillard for four, three, four years now where Damian Lillard has talked like and, and performed like a superstar while having not many of those superstar expectations. 
If if you get what I'm saying, and now we get to that point, that crossroads where people are looking at Dame like, all right, fam. So you want you want the Mayflower truck, or you <laughs> you want the the big you know 27 footer when we move you out of here? Because at some point you got to start your franchise over, right? Jimmy Butler has worked himself into that position where he has been the anti LeBron, right? You got to have a foil. He's been that dude for a couple of different organizations with Chicago and also now with the Miami Heat. Right. He's and and also he's he's the dude that every NBA fan hopes that they can run into. Right. Every NBA fan hopes that they can, their team can draft themselves a dude who can he can vault himself to the top of the top in the NBA uh you know um defensive uh conversations and also clutch player, you know, and I know clutch is one of those cliche words we don't like to throw around, but this dude has shown you that the regular season don't mean shit to him. And when it's time to run in the postseason, he's going to be there. But along with that narrative and along with all those things that may be true, hell, we saw it here in Chicago. That dude, his play style takes a toll. And when you are hurt, and you have to play like he has to play all the time. You know, it, it, it is um, it, it is one of those things where Jimmy Butler is going to come out of this thing, I think, smelling like a rose after getting a gentleman sweep. <laughs> and let's and and let, let's be real about it. They're a play-in team, right? Like we like, 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 let's not overlook that. But they're the play-in team that beat the shit out of some teams that we thought might give Denver or LA or some somebody coming out the West a run. So on one hand, we got to respect them to a point where it's like, oh no, no, no. They, they they're official. But on the other hand, it's like, ah oh, well, but you know what? You beating up some toddlers. You beating up some undrafted dudes. You beating up a team with no Tyler Hero. You beating up a team with Kevin Love playing big men. It's like it's it, there's a weird. Um, there's a weird vibe about this finals. One, because we don't have KD, we don't have LeBron, we don't have some of those stars that we used to seeing in these moments, right? Giannis, you know, guys that we thought that we see year in and year out in these moments. So we're getting introduced to an organization and introduced to a star that maybe casual fans weren't uh, privy to in Nikola Jokic. And then on the other side, we got a team in the Miami Heat who people have been trying that like they have been they have been the Jason Voorhees slash Terminator 2 cop robot dude who run fast and you can't stop him. Like they have been that team for the last three or four years and it's never been sexy. It's never been like fun to watch, but they going to grind you out. And at this point, they ran up against a team who, hey, man, this is the start of a very, very long run. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know how other, like, what other way to put it. I know a couple of my homies is like, man, we making too much out of this. Nikola Jokic stuff about we ain't never seen this, that, the other. I'm like, yo, we, we saying it because it's real. <laughs> like, there is, how can I phrase this? Well, fuck it. There is nothing like the brother respect for a white boy in NBA parliaments and conversations. That it's the most it's the most powerful thing I think in sports, <laughs> because you know there are certain brothers who want to give Nikola Jokic no credit, but kind of have to, and you can hear it and like just grinning and bear it. You know what I mean? So when you get that, like forget everybody telling you you're cold, but when you start to get the people who have seen people do this thing for decades and then they look at them like, yeah, but you know, like how they did with Steve Nash, right? Like, like how they done with dudes before. This dude is undeniable. At any spot on the court, on the man turned his ankle, you didn't notice. 
And, and that's no disrespect. Like, nothing changed in his game. He was hobbled for the rest of the game. Jason Tatum <laughs> turned his ankle, and his ankle turn was a lot more severe looking, I should say, because, you know, it's hard to judge pain tolerance and pain threshold. But Jason Tatum sprained his ankle in the first play of the game. You'd have thought he was out there, you know, with a, <laughs> a kickstand on that joint. You'd have thought he was out there with a prosthetic limb. He could not get up and down the court. This man, yo, control. 280 pounds comes down on that <laughs> that ankle and was like, man, game's not going to look no different. Not going to look no different. He pushed the ball with the same what velocity, I guess. He jumped with the same uh, explosion, I guess. Right? He could still say, see over the defense. Like, there's a lot of reasons why this thing is going to be here for a while and why Denver fans can like, this is this is a fun time, man. Like, there's no time. Like, I, when we go back to the 90s Bulls, like, I was 11 years old when the Bulls won their first championship. So I, I remember it from a child's per, you know, point of view, right? Like, I remember it, like, how it made everyone feel. And also watching the basketball. Like, I remember Scottie Pippen, you know, the things that we don't talk about quite often enough, where it was like, hey, uh, someone has to stop Magic Johnson, and it ain't 23. <laughs> you know? Like, like... You know, you call Scotty drunk and talk all that shit about him all you want, but <laughs> Scotty Pippen turned not only that series around, but, you know, started something where it's like, all right, Mike, you don't have to grind yourself into dust <laughs> like Jimmy Butler does every single game. You can actually, in the fourth quarters, get switched onto a dude and lock him down and get all the credit and the accolades. But I was a kid when that was happening. So... I, you know, I'm not saying that they're about to go on some six championships out of eight years run or that Nikola Jokic is going to take a two-year break that, you know, very few people talk about when they talk about him his his entire career. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm off on a tangent here. My bad. Oh, yo, what's up with these jobs? What's up? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. It's, it's, I haven't talked in a couple of days. It's been a fun weekend. I just, I'm, don't, don't mind me. Shout out to all the Jordan people out there. I just like twisting your nips every once in a while. But seriously, though, this dude is about to do some things where, like, what does the Kola Jokic look like with a torn ACL? All right, take a year off and come back and be the same dude. Right, like what is like outside of the widowmaker blowing your Achilles? You know what? What are we really talking about here? This man is averaging a triple double in the finals, and when LeBron does it, is is different, right? Because when LeBron does it, Andre Iguodala gets the uh, <laughs> the most valuable player of the finals award, but but when Jokic does it. Like this is this is from the high post. This is he's he's getting kickouts on pick and pops, and you know it's wet, right? Like Jamal Murray is having himself an all-time finals, and we're like, oh yeah, that's the dude playing with Jokic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, if we just isolated Jamal Murray's numbers, we'd be like, yo, this is getting ready to be like best point guard in the league type shit that we see in here. With us, we're just like, hey, man, ain't Robin cool? <laughs> hey, look at look at how high Robin can jump. <laughs> hey, Robin, get in the passenger seat. Batman want to go get a drink, you know? <laughs> like, like, this is what we're watching here. So I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Um, 
Uh, I know people would want more intrigue and would want, I want more games. Like I want Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry to, 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 to be prophetic as they sit there and then post game microphones and say, we're going to do what we came here to do tonight. And that's win the next game. I'm down with all of it. I, hey, Bam can't turn the ball over seven times. Caleb Martin, my man, turned back into a pumpkin. You know, like it's, it's a lot of shit going on with that Miami Heat team. But at some point, the talent matters. Like at some point, you can't kick it out to, you know, undrafted hero and have him, no pun intended, undrafted hero and have him knock down shots all the way through the postseason. Right. Like at some point, Gabe Vincent is going to start to foul people. Like who would have thought that that finals turn would happen where Gabe Vincent would be in foul trouble damn near every single game and not knocking down the shots. He was knocking down three rounds prior. You know why? Because we didn't have a track record. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have a resume. So this is a this is an interesting finals to say the least, man. But uh, Bulls fans. You know, all these things that are swirling around the Bulls right now and who they're going to trade for and what's going to happen here and what's going to happen there and how how can they how can they work themselves in the, you know, a Miami Heat type position? All I'll say is the Denver Nuggets pulled off a trade today for draft picks <laughs> working in the margins while while in the NBA finals right now. They are sitting there looking at cutting costs and developing players while they're in the finals. Like Bruce Brown is out here getting as much TV time as he possibly can because Christian Brown is like, hey, by the way, y'all, I might be damn good. I might be okay at this. Don't ask me to do too much. Weak side duck-ins, cuts, you know, guard three through five. But don't ask me to do more than that. But I might be damn good. Like that's the way it's supposed to look. That's why you brought Arturis Karnaschovas here. They got a blueprint too. Right. Like you see the Warriors on on their run and you can look at that and be like, okay, how do we improve on their game plan? What did they do wrong? They kind of rested on their laurels and it was it's a good rest. Right. You got one of the all time greatest players to rest on and Steph Curry. But they they stopped developing. They stopped those those marginal pieces. Like once Andre got old, I don't know if they stopped developing. It's just they, they they didn't draft well. I mean like, that too. James James Wiseman is a big miss, right? Um, you know, uh, when we talk about Kaminga, like coming into the draft, everybody's like, "Hey, this ain't no basketball player. Terrific athlete, but he's going to develop into something." Well, guess what? When the moments that they needed him to be that, he's still developing into something. You don't know Moses Moody. Like this is a dude who everybody tells me can play, and when I watch him, I see a decent ball player, but I don't see anybody that's a pillar of somebody's franchise. So the drafting, like we've talked about it, whether it be in the NFL or the NBA, you could draft high all you want. If you're a poor drafter, it's gonna it's gonna come it's gonna come back. Now I'm not saying the Warriors, obviously they not, they don't have a, a history of poor drafting, but if you you go ahead and miss on a couple of drafts, especially high picks where you think is is um, house money. Right. Where you're like, oh, we just said these dudes just going to be in a cut. And then two, three years from now, you you look up and you're stuck with not stuck with, but you've got an aging Steph Curry. You got Draymond Green probably elsewhere. And then you're looking at Jordan Poole and all those other dudes that you thought would take you into the next, you know, uh, the next iteration of Golden State Warriors basketball. Andrew Wiggins and the, and the like. Right. Like we still treat Andrew Wiggins like he fresh out. That dude's 30 years old. <laughs> like he, you know, he's he just looks like a kid still. <laughs> but that man's 30 years old. So none of this is easy, right? 
But when you catch that wave, man, whew, like I can only imagine what Denver Nugget, like get ready to talk king shit because you're going to earn it, right? Like you're staring at the Miami Heat, a gentleman's sweep. And the dude that I have been touting this entire postseason has not shown up in the finals in Michael Porter Jr. Not shown up at all. Now, on top of winning the title, you can go into the offseason and just show him, hey, you see these five games? You was ass. So it's on you. Be the ride to get rolled over. Like, that's the beautiful stuff that goes on when you win in. And on top of it, you can show people, hey, you know, this train going to keep moving. You see the big fella? Man, turned his ankle. Got a 30-20 triple-double on y'all. Like, what are we talking about here? Now, what I am looking forward to, like, we, it's starting to happen. Oh, yeah. We're going to get to know Nikola Jokic this offseason. And I can't wait because all the people off. who are excited. off all summer? Uh, uh, I'm not even talking about that part. Not even the celebration part. Hey, man, this is a man who has won two MVPs, is in the running for a third one, and you have no idea how he feels about anything. <laughs> anything. <laughs> not a Any thing. Giannis, Giannis, yeah, Giannis will, hit you with a, <laughs> Giannis will hit you with a dad joke. You feel me? Like They told Giannis to clean up his, his act because Giannis is on, you know, on these IG stories saying the wildest <laughs> shit to his lady and being weird. Like You remember early? You remember pre-championship Giannis? Oh, like, yeah. mm-hmm. like making the sexual innuendo jokes and mm-hmm. like, oh shit, he's a child just like me. Right? And Joel, shit, Joel was dancing on Meek Mill concert stages and having a ball and tweeting Rihanna and, you know, <laughs> we don't know a whole bunch about you, man. Nikola Jokic, that is about to end. <laughs> so either way, buckle up. I'm looking forward to it. I, I am looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. Loves horses. Rolls around with two brothers who are sick. By the way, this is the other thing, too. Don't you kind of love how we've made the Jokic brothers all cute and cuddly? <laughs> Uh-huh. Isn't that the funniest damn thing? These are two six foot eight gentlemen who look like they have killed people with their bare hands, right? <laughs> do you do you think war torn, man? That, war torn. Yeah. Okay, well, I've seen <laughs> I've seen Inglewood's finest have his two, couple of brothers around as well, and it wasn't received the same way. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Allen, by the way. Uh, I don't want, you know, shout out. Allen is one of the best dudes. Well, one of the best people I have run into in the United Center, you know, stadium structure. You know, shout out to Allen. But yeah, the Jokic brothers, boy. That thing is uh, that thing is all cute and cuddly. <laughs> I can't wait till this summer. Yeah, his shirt gonna be off. He's gonna be riding his horses. He's gonna be acting a fool. He's gonna be a champion. Um, but we're not gonna have any more basketball after Monday. So, you know, drink Ugh. it in while you can. Cause Chris lied to us. Chris sold us a, a bill of goods. He made us think that this Miami Heat thing was gonna tough its way through to seven games and two pods later they on the verge of elimination there's still a chance man there's still oh, a chance still a chance man heat and seven yo heat and seven oh my god oh I want it to happen I want it to happen It's almost time to crown an NBA champion and FanDuel wants you to be a part of the excitement because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
So if you're listening to this on Monday, which I appreciate all of you, that means we've got an NBA Finals game to talk about. We've got Game 5 of the NBA Finals, Denver, Miami. I think this is going to be the end of the NBA season, and I think it's going to go out in true Nikola Jokic fashion. That's why I am fashioning a SGP with nothing but Nikola Jokic. That's right. I have the Denver Nuggets winning on the money line. I got them winning with the number. I got Nikola Jokic scoring 25 or more points. I've got Jamal Murray continuing his assist streak, right? The first guard to have four assist games where he had 10 or more in his first four NBA Finals games, right? So I'm going to go 10 or more assists for Jamal Murray, and then I'll throw Michael Porter Jr. in there as well because he's got to rebound at some point, right? He's not going to go out without a whimper, so I'll throw 15 or more points for Michael Porter Jr. There you have it. 10 or more assists for Jamal Murray, 25 or more points for Nikola Jokic. I got the Denver Nuggets on the money line, and I have them with the number, and I got Michael Porter Jr. as well. You got five legs of an SGP that is championship flavor. You know why I love FanDuel Sportsbook? You get great promotions every single day. It's safe and secure. You don't have to worry about your information floating along the evil, twisted, dark internet. And, of course, you get paid instantaneously. That's right. You have to worry about your money lingering for two or three days. When you win, you get your money in your account, and then you can throw it back in on FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet all the finals action than America's number one sportsbook. That's right. Visit FanDuel.com slash full go and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash F-U-L-L-G-O. FanDuel the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. All right, we have a chance now on the Full Go Podcast to hang out with a dude whose content I have been following for a long time now. You can check him out on Spot Track. Uh, you can check him out on the Front Office Show uh, on Twitter. He is at Keith Smith NBA. Keith Smith joining the Full Go Podcast. Keith, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Now, I will tell you now. You know, and I I I DM'd you as soon as as soon as the waves were being made. And I said to you, you're stirring shit up here in the city of Chicago. Now, I understood it, but the people who heard the number, heard the name, and then thought about the current state of the Chicago Bulls team, yeah, it was a little bit of a kerfuffle going on with the Patrick Williams five-year, $100 million contract. So, good to see you, and explain yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you all having me and giving me the chance to explain myself. Um, you know, every year, one of the things I sit down and do as we get into uh, this time of year is I take a stab at predicting the rookie scale extensions that are going to come out in this year's piece uh, posted a week or so ago. And uh, not to pat myself on the back so much that I'll throw out my own shoulder, but my track record's pretty good. I tend to do do all right on, on these things. I, mean, I miss one or two, but that, that's the NBA, right? The NBA always throws us a curveball here and there. This year was harder than it's ever been because there's some new rules that they 
the whole landscape of the NBA is changing with the new CBA coming in and those sort of things. But, you know, yeah, well, when, when I went through everything and I went through all of the comps for Patrick Williams and where the league is going, everything marks towards him getting a $20 million a year, you know, uh, average annual value uh, on a contract. It's just, you know, he, he is, you know, all of the contemporary guys that he has a very similar profile to have landed a deal like that. And, I think the new change in this CBA, it used to be five-year deals were only for max guys. And now you can give out a five-year deal to, to anybody that you, you want to extend on coming off a rookie scale. It doesn't have to be a max and he's not going to be anywhere close to a max player. But, you know, I, I think it's just anytime you get into that triple digits, that hundred million, that throws people for a loop and they're just not ready for it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And as you mentioned in your tweet and in your piece, you know, 20 million is the new, uh, the old 12 million, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we take a look at some of these contracts and every, every single Bulls game, I sit next to Kendall Gill and Will Purdue and we hear some of these numbers that are being thrown around and my man KG is flabbergasted. I'm like, KG, inflation and, you know, CBAs and TV money. Like, you know, pat on your back, KG, for all these kids out here making this money these days. But you mentioned the comps for Patrick Williams. When he came out, uh, you know, Florida State, uh, six-man, or what the the thoughts were, physical, raw, intangibles, understanding uh, of the game, played a little point guard in high school, and of course the big old hands and the quiet demeanor. I jumped on the Kawhi Leonard thing, right? <laughs> and then slowly but surely, you got to see some of the deference and some of the uh, the attributes, and also some of the things that might be dings. What are his comps? What who are the people that are his contemporaries? Or some of the the Bulls fans can say, okay, this is what he should be in the next few years. Yeah, I think if we go in the immediate and the guys who've gotten paid, and I'm not going to say he's on the level of this first guy that I'm going to mention because this guy's an all-defense level guy and he's really blossomed into a terrific offensive player. But your first guy you want to kind of look at is Mikael Bridges. That 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 was a you know similar type player at this point um, when, when he was going into his rookie scale extension. We all felt pretty good about the deal that he signed in the next year. It's DeAndre Hunter of the Atlanta Hawks, who I think Patrick Williams can be every bit as good as DeAndre Hunter. He, he had the injury not last, last year, but the season before that. Mm-hmm. And but other than that, his other two years, he was fully healthy. This year is one of the only players in the league that played all 82 games. There are very few. The Bulls actually happen to have two uh, with him and Nikola Vucevic. So that that really does matter. And he's gotten better every year he's been in the league. He's a really good shooter. I think this is not a necessary contractual comp, but I think from a style of play and where we could see his career ultimately go, and maybe this isn't what people wanted where he was drafted, but a guy like Harrison Barnes, who has mm. been a very good complementary player for a number of years at that swing forward position, can play either forward spot, can do a lot of different things, hit shots, can make plays, can be a little bit more of a scorer when you need him to be, but has no problem kind of blending in to be the fourth, fifth option when there's plenty of talent around him. That's the kind of guy I'd be looking to see Patrick Williams blossom into, and that's Important just because Harrison Barnes, you know, he's been in the league forever now, right? It's it, it and he's been on mostly pretty good teams uh, mm-hmm. for the vast bulk of his time in the league, and and he's really become a very good key important player. And that's where you know to that point is 
$20 million sounds like a lot, but it's no longer $20 million next season, which is when this deal would start. That's 14% of the salary cap. That That's it. It's just slightly under 14% of the cap. So you're talking that's you know going to be barely above mid-level money. If you go go to that mark, the mid-level is probably going to going to start pushing around $15 million here pretty soon. And that's why, you know, when it all comes together, contractual comps are there, player comps are there. It makes a lot of sense to me to try to lock up a guy like Patrick Williams, who, in my opinion, has gotten better every single year. I was taking a look at the draft that he came in and, you know, I wanted Tyrese Halliburton at the time. I thought put him next to Zach Levine. You got yourself something for a long time sure. to come. Arturis Kardashovas took his swing at a guy in Patrick Williams who was, you know, in a three-player draft. Who was going to be that fourth pick? It was him. But then you look at a whole bunch of names and I feel like a lot of teams, a lot of organizations, a lot of fan bases feel the same way, if not worse, about their first-round pick than Bulls fans feel about Patrick Williams. And I think a lot of it is the thing that we see or the things that we see in him and how we want to see it more often, more consistently. And you got veterans who'd say, hey, man, shoot the ball, like be more aggressive. But I mean, Tyrese Maxey, uh, uh, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, there's like a couple of other guys. Who are the who are the interesting cases in this in this class that won't? Uh, have that kind of you know, adoration from their team and who will, you know, be locked up for a long time to come, you think? Yeah, I think the the guys you start with are the guys at the top, right? Anthony Edwards, he's going to get a, a no-brainer max deal, no question. LaMelo Ball, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see if some Charlotte Hornets foolishness gets involved there. Hopefully, they're smart enough to know and just, just lock up, uh, you know, LaMelo and get it done. Uh, but that, that probably it goes that way. I think if we go all the way to the other end of the first round, a guy who some people have, you know, you, you take people push back hard on Patrick Williams valuation for me. A lot of people are like Desmond Bain, you know, full max guy. And Desmond Bain is a guy who he's 20 point per game score, pretty yeah. good playmaker, pretty good defender. Uh, he's been the best shooter in this class fits perfectly with the other two uh, rotation, you know, kind of core guys in Memphis. There's no question in my mind. He's going to be, be a max guy or a near max guy. And then, then you you mentioned a couple guys who are kind of interesting, right? Tyrese Maxey. I think he probably gets pretty close to a max. And that's just where these things go, right? You, you don't generally get super great values on the rookie scale extensions. It tends to be, you know, if you're getting a value, it's there, there's reasons why, right? The guy has real holes or you're still doing a whole bunch of projecting and those kind of things. And then the guy you mentioned, obviously, Tyrese Salburn, 100%. Oh. You're another guy who's probably going to get the max. But a guy who I see, oddly enough, they were teammates at Florida State from the same draft class. Devin Vassell is a guy who I think probably is another one of those more value signings. The Spurs mm -hmm. like to lock up their own guys when they see value there and they tend to go after those guys. So I think, think you're going to see Vassell and Williams maybe get the new uh, five-year non-max type of deals and go that way. It wouldn't surprise me if they're only four years because those guys may say, I don't want to lock in for five, right? I'd really rather do four and you know, get, get back out there on the market uh, with that. And then there's a whole bunch of guys like there is every year that are probably not going to get extended. Guys like Isaac Okoro, Aaron Neesmith, Teddy Avdia. Those guys are probably not, not going to get extended. The last thing I'll say just related to, to this draft class too, just because I think it's fun, Patrick Williams, is has become over the first three years, three years, that's fine, right? If you want to discount that as a too small of a sample size, he's the second best shooter in this draft class behind Desmond Bain. 
you know, mm. Tyrese Maxey and him are kind of on par uh, w- w- with each other uh, in, in that second best spot right behind Desmond Bain. Just when you factor in volume plus accuracy that that's shooting always gets paid in, in the NBA. And he is not it's not like he shot 50 percent one year and then, you know, he's 30 percent. And that's how we get to 40. He's mm. been, you know, nudging up, nudging up and pretty much settled in as, you know, a, a plus 40 percent shooter. And that that's huge. As we let you go here, appreciate your time, Keith. Uh, what are the national pundits saying about not only the organizational structure of the Bulls, how they spend money, how this tax apron, second tax apron, is going to affect a team that doesn't really delve into the luxury tax at all? Um, like what infrastructural-wise, what does Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley have to work with in, in their current situation and probably going forward? Yeah, there's a lot of eyes on the Bulls just to see, first and foremost, what are they going to do with Nikola Vucevic? Because there's a sense of, you can't really replace him if he leaves, but if it do, do you need to? You know, you're going to you know kind of transition in a different route um, there. It seems like they've kind of sent messages of, hey, we're not rebuilding, right? Where we're maybe resetting a little bit. And then obviously it it's it's awful, but everybody knows they're gonna work around that Lonzo Ball uh contract. And then you know that that's just it is what it is, right? It's it's you're gonna have to figure it out. I know a lot of Bulls fans are like, can we ever get that salary relief if he has to retire? But he's not retiring, right? He's gonna keep doing what he can to try and play. So I don't think that's ever coming off the books. And and there's you know talk to some people and they're of the mindset of, yeah, they got to you know, trade DeRozan, you know, before he walks next year while he still has value. You know, there's a lot of people like I'd look at, you know, trade all of them, right? Let Vooch go and trade Levine and really, you know, reset fully and rebuild around all the kids. And then there are other people are like, man, this team was pretty close to knocking Miami out in the play in. And if they can get a little bit better guard play and, you know, go that they're probably going to be right there as a playoff team again. So I tend to think that's probably the direction they're going to go. I would lean probably more towards let's really reset this thing. But that's me personally. I'm, you know, I, I don't have a job to lose if it goes sideways. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very easy for me to say that. I, I uh, can't wait till the conversations can be had. Well, they will probably never be had publicly by owners, but you know, I, I got to think that there are some owners who say to themselves, hey, how bad is it if we take the max contract thing off the boards and start <laughs> paying these guys? Because you got, you got Jamal Murray because of his injury as one of the best values in the entire NBA. And then he's looking at guys who are making the same amount of money as him. And... You know, can't get out of the, can't get into the play-in, right? Like, I mean, it is, it is fascinating to me, like how it would happen, how it would destabilize the players' union, but also what would happen as far as the owners who have other, you know, irons in the fire outside of basketball, right? Because we don't talk about that enough either. Like these, <laughs> these, it's, it's crazy to think of the owners who only do basketball as broke. <laughs> but but <Right>. like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the way we talk about the Raiders situation, like anytime we mention Mark Davis, like, ah, oh, well, they don't have liquid. They don't have cash. Like how, how cumbersome would it be to have to write a hundred million dollar check, but also understand that that value is getting placed with a different significance than that of just having to pay someone $44 million a year because they've sure. reached a certain level of accolades or seniority. I, I just, you know, I, I always think of, you know, when we talk to Bulls specifically, you know, the the, the Bulls that I grew up on, right, at my, my real 
life of my fandom started with, you know, MJ is, you know, right. he kind of came to prominence. Um, you know, and I was, I was a Celtics kid who was, you know, absolutely terrified of him you know, <laughs> my entire life. And, you know, but I always thought of it, you know, as I got older and started to understand a little bit more, right. There was always the, um, you know, it, you know, Oh, Hey, the bulls are in the finals. Think we can get Jerry Reinsdorf to come over from the white Sox game to pay attention. Right. And it's always been kind of, that's always been like the underlying story, right. Is like, you know, does he care enough about, the bulls you know does it really matter you know and those kind of things and yeah so i I hear you with you know some of those owners who you know i think there are a handful that would be like man let's let's go all in on basketball and i'll pay a dude 70 million dollars a year which may be gonna happen anyway see here within the next few years anyway with where the salary cap's going anyway this is all you know it's everything in the nba is kind of going bonkers with the new cba and where the cap is going and all that stuff so we're just gonna see everybody making you know numbers that you know we we may be you know let's uh, reconnect in in three or four years and say man 20 million for patrick williams what a bargain you know that's how (laughs) we're able to build out the rest of the roster because he makes nothing you know comparatively because that's that's where we're going yeah yeah they are printing money and the nba is uh in a healthier spot than i think a lot of people are aware and when we see numbers like this and when we see players getting squeezed into tv deals and when we start start talking about bri and all those other things like it's it's, uh it's 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 i think a healthier game than people give it credit for in this moment without a doubt Keith, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Keep throwing out the content, front office show, uh, the great work with Spot Track. Uh, we we uh, we appreciate your work, man. We and and keep stirring up Bulls fans and throwing numbers out there on guys that they don't think deserve them. <laughs> we'll do. I'll, I'll pitch Kobe White for a ton of money next. Oh, see, yeah, next week, yeah. <laughs> Keith, Keith Keith Smith pissing off Bulls fans one week at a time. <laughs> appreciate you, brother. Thank you. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to the full goal with Jason Goff presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. He's, he's stopping all his, that man's fandom. <laughs> that man was in fear. That man <laughs> said he feared Michael Jordan growing up. Like I, it just immediately I felt like there's like a <laughs> like a hallway in Keith's Keith's house as a kid, and then you walk past and like these are the men we have to fear. <laughs> this is Malcolm X. <laughs> this is, no man. <laughs> this is Michael Jordan. That's how this I is felt. Bear man. Jesus. <laughs> I feared him too. I was a Sonics fan growing up, man. Like you oh, know, whenever man. he showed up in town, like you know, I knew he was going to eat us up. You know, it's like you're lucky you grew up in Chicago, man. Like I always, I always talk to my Chicago friends. Like, what was it like having Michael Jordan? You know, it's like um, people that have Tom Brady. You know, people in Boston or whatever they have that sort of legacy. But having Michael Jordan as the person on your team, like when I was growing up watching, I had that fear. I understood his fear. It's like a weird conundrum, right, Jay? It's like he, he is the the best athlete, right, in in the NBA, but he also at the same time is the boogeyman. <laughs> like we all acknowledge what he does and what he, but you're also has that fear of what does that fear come from when you know, when you recognize he's the, the best player in the world, but also you're scared of him. Like it's, <laughs> it, it, it's the, it's the feeling like that, that I guess when you do the comparison between him and him and LeBron, right? Like yeah. there's no active physical fear from a fan base and or players about what LeBron is going to do when we know how great LeBron is and we know how dominant he is. But that fear thing 
is yeah, like a Bulls fans. Bulls fans. Anytime, anytime that Cleveland or Miami LeBron rolled up, there was there was a certain there was a certain <laughs> we know what he's about to do uh, right. <laughs> attached to it. No, in pockets, but no, no, I agree. But it, it felt a little it different with, well, with but LeBron loses sometimes. You know, no, no, for sure. You for know sure. what I mean? Like Jordan didn't lose. But that's the thing. I have always had a weird relationship with my fandom of Michael Jordan because I have always like loved the game more than any one player. Always. And I just happened to grow up during a time where that one player was the most um the most marketed, the most dominant, the most celebrated. Like all the things that you like felt about Jordan as a kid that I felt about Jordan as a kid could never be replicated now because of the social media aspect, because of the fact that it was new that the NBA was like, Hey, let's start pushing these singular athletes, right? Let's start to have like a little personality with this league. You can't just be magic and burn. We got to, you know, and Dr. J we got to fill in the blanks here. The eighties, the eighties, you know, change that cable TV, change that. So me being able to see him every single night he played basketball was a lot different. And also, I'm not even going front. I grew up in a town where his relationship with the local media wasn't the greatest. So I got that filtered to me as, you know, as the recipient, as the customer, as the consumer as well. Right. So I had to, you know, as a kid, I was surrounded by nothing but like overt Michael Jordan fans, which was cool because, yeah, you know, everybody you know, liked Mike. I wore the Jordans. I, you know, I, I had all this shit. Like, I, my dad was a fan and all that. But my relationship with that, that entity that was Michael Jordan was a lot different than that of my friends. Like, I understood how cold he was. I always knew that, hey, I'm so glad he's on my team rather than the other teams. That's why, that's why, that's why I brought up the LeBron thing because for years... Like people, all the same comments and um, same slings and arrows that LeBron would catch from Chicago fans. Like, I'm like, hey, y'all know we just Detroit, right? Like, y'all know we just the Knicks of this time, right? Like, y'all know, like, you live through everyone feeling this way about our guy, right? So, like, it's, you know, it was, it was, crazy watching that like juxtaposition of like okay now i have to you know call travel on this guy every time or say that he gets all the calls or you know what i mean it's like you know because i would go my grandmother and grandfather lived in philadelphia and new New jersey slash new york respectively so every summer i would go see them and my claim to fame was I was a Bulls fan. Like, motherfuckers would just ask me about Jordan and talk to me about Jordan and talk to me about how Jordan, uh, you know, ousted their Knicks or, you know, ousted Charles Barkley in the Philadelphia 76ers. And I would just be like, yeah, he cold, ain't he? You know, and then and just enjoy him being cold. Like, that's how I felt about it. And at the time, too, like, I had other dudes in the league who were my favorite players. Like, Dominique Wilkins was my favorite player. And it was because I didn't get a chance to see him a whole bunch, right? We had TBS and TNT and all that, but like it was a treat for me to see somebody that magnificent, that powerful, that like graceful, and also just a just a drop dead score, you know, different way than Mike, but a drop dead score nonetheless. I I saw Neek, and I'm like that motherfucker smooth, and he had the curl, he had the the the, the S curl pump. What? 
Dominique was out here moving and grooving. Like Dominique was my guy as a kid, but Mike was the god. So that so I've heard people like Chris and people who are our age group talk about Mike in a, in, with reverence that I understood. Right? I just I saw it from a different lens. And and it may this may just be like a long way of me saying that I'm a hater or something, which ain't the truth. <laughs> but, but you know, like I I and I, I had an interaction with Mike at the Moody Bible um, draft combine uh, where I was in his seat one time, and he uh, he, he asked me if whose seat was I sitting in, and I told him it was mine, and uh, then I got up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he looked hey, at my, young blood. my uh, lanyard. You see that is? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and then he looked at my lanyard, and it said WSCR, and he said something to the fact to the to the uh, to the point of like figures or something like that. And I was like, oh shit! <laughs> like I'm like I'm I'm 21 years old, man. Like just stall me out. I'm just sitting here watching Bernie Bickerstaff work out Brandon Bass. Like like, like I don't I don't want no problems. <laughs> Pat Riley just walked in. He got the gold. Who, who, who did Mike have beef with at the score? Oh, everybody. Because everybody talks shit about Mike. Like, this oh, is the thing. Man. Tony, really? you, you, you weren't, dog, you didn't. This is so interesting to me because, like, you're, like, the third. Like, if I'm, like, second generation of that station, like, you're, like, mm-hmm. third generation of that station. That yeah. first generation of that station, though, oh, my God. Like, you know, getting his his divorce filings and reading them on air and yeah. all types of shit. Oh. oh, yeah. The reason why he was called M. Jeff here in the city is because that's what he went as on the divorce filings, like M. Jeffrey Jordan. So, you know, people would call him M. Jeff, and that just became a oh. thing. People were calling him M. Jeff because of the score. Yeah. Like, Mike North used to talk crazy about, about Michael. Yeah, and 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 you know when his when his pops died, dog. <laughs> there was some shit that went on at that station that you know I'm 15, so I'm just listening to it. And I was just like, man, these motherfuckers are hardcore. Can't wait till <laughs> I get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you feel me? Like it was it was a time. It was a time, you know. And now, you know, listening to Keith talk about the Charlotte situation, man, like Michael's post-basketball career or post-basketball activity has been like it's seemingly the it really proves to you how bulletproof and how cold he was how absolutely stunningly drop dead masterful he was at the game of basketball because Elgin Baylor was the Clippers GM for a decade and we acted like Elgin Baylor was the biggest fucking nincompoop to ever walk the NBA hardwood. This was one of the coldest dudes to ever play the game. Like you go back and we look up Elgin Baylor's numbers and that was Dr. J and Michael and Dominique and all them before. And on top of that, he made the Euro step. He, he was the first dude to do the Euro step. Motherfucking Ginobili and these other dudes did it a couple of times. And all of a sudden, we just gave it to them. <laughs> just, just, hey, you know, Elgin was doing that shit in the 60s. All right? But Michael can, let's, let's be real. Like the Charlotte ownership, depending on how you look at it, if you look at it as flipping a franchise and, and return on investment, hey, masterful. If you're looking at it in terms of the way Michael Jordan would look at it, winning or not winning, it's been a flop. It's been an absolute flop. 
Now he's about to turn 200 something million into 2 billion, which is outstanding. So, you know, <laughs> you could, <laughs> I could take the Russell Westbrook way out of this thing. Like, hey, man, my career has been amazing. <laughs> you know where I'm from? <laughs> like, it'd be that much dope if you got a couple championships. But I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> like, Mike is like, do you know that I bought this thing from the other brother that they allowed to be an owner at this bitch? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then turn it into a tube. That's the, that's the crazy part. Like, that Charlotte situation. Like, LaMelo Ball, I don't ever think is going to be a winning basketball player. I think LaMelo Ball, in, early in his career, is already too set in some very, very bad habits. I don't think his talent is ever going to allow him to have to make those, you know, refinements, if that makes any sense. Like, his talent, he's so talented that he's going to be able to play through a lot of bullshit, and then when it, times, when it comes time to win something, it's going to be six, seven years in, and by that point, you know, you, all you're talking about is all-star games and max contracts, you know? Does it sound familiar, right? Like, this is, this is there's a certain level of dude that we talk about, and if I'm getting ready to buy that team, <laughs> I need to have some input on what decision is about to be made when it comes. That's why I think Keith was mentioning, like, depending on what Charlotte does here. Because if I'm buying this squad, we've seen it. With, we saw it with Sam Zell with the Cubs. Like, you're not about to just start paying motherfuckers crazy amounts of money, then all of a sudden sell me this team, and now I got to do it, and I don't want to. Like, controlling interests are going to be a play here. Like, this offseason, we're going to see we're going to see how people feel. And also if Mike is selling and how soon he's selling, you lock up LaMelo ball. Like that's, you know, you do that no matter what, but that's a, that's a pretty penny to go forward with understanding the amount of winning that you might be capped at with him being your leader. Uh, I just want to redirect a little bit, Jay, and ask you a question. Is it weird that Michael won't be directly involved in the NBA anymore after he sells the team? Like, is it weird that you know, other than his his brand, the thing is, he's always going to be involved with it. his the specter of Michael Jordan has helped and hurt the NBA uh, since the moment he retired. And having these dudes now, like I like when I love when dudes talk about how oh you guys teaming up and all that other shit. Well, guess what? <laughs> Y'all set that as the standard and championships being more important than anything. So when that was set, yeah, people had to recalibrate what the standard was. So now you go run and do whatever you need to do. And then we saw the big three dwindle down to the big two now, right? And, and a bunch of, you know, a bunch of role players. Like Michael Jordan is always going to be a part of it, whether he is directly connected in ownership or the brand or whoever the next best player is going to be. Whoever, when LeBron James retires in three, four years, there's going to be somebody else. Um, the South Carolina boys are making it very hard. I need a solo segment from you on that, bro. They making it oh so hard. Making it oh so shit. We can start it right now. <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't never done recording. Hey, man. I was really looking forward to coming in here on Thursday and giving my two cents on the uh, situation involving Zion Williamson and the internets as of late. Uh, I want to start with saying congratulations, right? Because, you know, there's a baby on the way. And no matter what those parents are engaging in, it's important that, uh, that we understand how 
much of a blessing it is, right? And all those good things. Um, but man, you gotta. Hey, I'm not talking about Zion in this moment, but you know, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, we gotta stop acting like NBA players and athletes uh, <laughs> at large are like these um Don Juan ladies men and like these dudes who like um have been cool all their lives, right? Like this ain't new. <laughs> like, dudes getting women pregnant and having women fighting over them ain't new. What is new is all you social media babies, you 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 view babies out here. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. <laughs> listen, listen to me. I, how do I want to say this? <laughs> you have to be very, very careful who you're engaging with. Because in the end, no one's going to look good. Zion Williamson is getting ready to have a child by a young lady who is, um, shall we say, I don't even know how to phrase this without, I'm just going to be myself. Zion Williamson is getting ready to have a baby with somebody who get naked for money, (laughs) right? And shout out to all the sex workers out there. Without you, a lot of these relationships wouldn't stay together. Okay, so I, I want to leave with that. I want to start with I love you. Okay, but the problem that is occurring is you remember when we saw Zion dunking on all them little white kids in high school, <laughs> and we was like questioning, like, well, will that translate to college? Remember, we were actually having, like, let's not front. We were actually having those conversations, like, he just. Show is dunking on a little lot of little white kids in, in Sumter, South Carolina, wherever the hell they from. Shout out to John Moran, by the way. South Carolina is down 30. <laughs> I'm just, let's just be real about it. South Carolina is down at least 30 going into the third quarter. This is a blowout. You might as well start to start. We got to get Charlemagne on the podcast so he oh, can he explain what, what what's going on in South Carolina. I, I'm gonna tell. Yeah, I'm gonna tell Allison. Put Charlemagne on on the on the get list. Shout out to Spartansburg, right? Shout out to you know Sumter. Shout out to all the, the, the individual spots in South Carolina. But what you want to do uh, is. You want to make sure that there is an understanding (laughs) between you and the people that you are engaging with. Seems like to me, Zion Williamson's issue was he was out here making a whole bunch of promises. Like, I know broke motherfuckers that don't tell people the shit that Zion Williamson was telling these young ladies. And then to have both these young ladies coming out on the internet, and then you got a third one jumping out like, you bought her a calling and you didn't buy me. Like, hey, man. Hey, dog. He didn't run into the right competition in high school. It all goes back to the little white boys that he was dunking on when he was in high school. Okay. If Zion Williamson was at, was at a uh, a more diversified situation, maybe, or maybe was, how should I put this, uh, around people who had professional goals similar to his, because that's all we're looking at here, ladies and gentlemen, is, is a few professionals having conversations on the internet. That's what we're really looking at here. 
Okay, this young lady is, 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 I believe her name is Mariah Mills, huh? I, I did some research, dug up some of her back catalog, okay? Um, I ain't gonna front. <laughs> I see why. Like, I, I know what he was doing. Like, you got a whole bunch of people out here. Y'all can laugh. It's fine. <laughs> it's cool to laugh. Y'all got a, we got a whole bunch of people out here fronting, man. A whole bunch of people. Well, well, this is what he was so focused on. You got damn right. If I am hurt, <laughs> if I am hurt in New Orleans, <laughs> <laughs> and I just got to show up to a game and sit on the sideline? What you think I'm doing for the two and a half hours that I'm not playing in this game besides being depressed about not playing in this game? Guess what? I'm going to need me a pick-me-up. And the problem that this young man is having right now is that he just did way too much, way too much texting. Way too much emailing, way too much time stamping of things. Hey, fellas, not that I know, but this is what I hear. Voice notes, huh? You ever seen you ever seen somebody's phone where it's voice note, then a the voice note reply, then a the voice note, and then another voice note reply? Some ill shit is going on, but you won't be able to prove it. You know, like <laughs> they they are screenshots of wire transfers this young lady is putting out that a hundred thousand a month is being sent to her like hey man it ain't tricking if you got it right but god damn (laughs) like you could (laughs) have you could have paid for someone not to react this way you you know what i mean like he hustling backwards I just can't help but think back. <laughs> hey, dunking on them little white boys in high school, boy. <laughs> you, 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 you met your match. <laughs> like, these are trained professionals out here, kid. You know, the, the Carolinas as a whole, P.J. Washington, uh, John Morant, uh, <laughs> my, man, my, man, my man Zion Williamson now. This is fellas. Fellas, hey, make it easy on yourself, okay? You know, we like to joke around with Derek Jeter's gift baskets and all that. Hey, get yourself a system, okay? Yeah, and I'm not, you know, I know people might want me to do the the morality play here. Hey, there ain't no time for morality for a 22-year-old millionaire sitting on his couch flipping through the menu known as Instagram, all right? Where is this section in the rookie symposium? Right, like the, re- the 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 real like this is at what the they need club to learn. Right after the symposium, <laughs> that, that's where it's at. <laughs> after the orientation, and everybody goes to the local <laughs> the local performing arts center, <laughs> the, the, the the late night performing arts center. Yeah, that's where it's at. Oh man, it's been going on since the beginning of sports. Stop it. We used to celebrate Babe Ruth being drunk on the back of trains with six, seven women and going hitting two home runs while secretly knowing of his, you know, black identity and not divulging it to anyone. You know, we, we knew about these things. <laughs> we knew about these things. We glorified them. Huh? We romanticized them. Well, we made him tradition. And now this young man, like, hey, man. He's got the best of everything that a 22-year-old could ever want, probably. What makes you think he's going to stop <laughs> at that? Like, like what, what makes you think that all of a sudden the menu just stops at that? <laughs> like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm driving a Lamborghini this day, the Rolls Royce this day. But you know what? <laughs> 
speed dating it is for me. No, no. Now the problem is you got to get some, you got to get some better vets. You got to get some vets, somebody who could talk to you, somebody who could sit you down, let you know the way of the world. TJ got you there too late. Yeah, you're moving funny. Like joke, all jokes aside, you, this this is uh this is good for nobody. This is good for nobody involved. This young lady is still spilling it. This young lady was in love, in love, like in love, in love, in love. So <laughs> y'all y'all thought I was gonna come on here and bash this brother? Nah, man. That's a that's a father to be. Okay, <laughs> I hope he and his union. With his mom, who has been doing skits where she has been fighting people, I hope they can form a happy union. And, uh, you know, maybe one day he'll be a bull and we can act like none of this happened. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> I'd love to see Bulls fans, you know, all of a sudden change their tune. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for, you know, your side piece is going crazy on the Internet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's funny. Uh, we haven't had one of these because, you know, obviously the Bulls haven't had a top two pick in in a minute. But I can't wait to see how Chicago reacts to these uh, Gen Zers and how they move uh, in, in, in a major city. Like this, listen. look, it's it's it's, it's going to be harder to find the uh, the Kawhi Leonard's right at the top of the draft if you get one. Like they all come with stuff in the social media age. You can. You're just going to have to go to Sacramento. You know, Keegan Murray gonna be hitting jump shots for the next 15 years. You ain't gonna know shit about him. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like Patrick Williams, same thing. Like maybe uh, maybe Patrick got the drop on all of us. Maybe all of this is a, a charade. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. Y'all ain't about to be in my business. Cause that's all it is. That's all it is, man. The, this is happening at your gig. <laughs> this is happening at your post office. This is happening at your local delicatessen. There are people out here who are doing wild things, and you have—you are none the wiser. It just so happens he's a 22-year-old millionaire who's the face of, of an entire league, and he hasn't played in the last three years. And now we know why. Now we know why. You know? I mean, we all know. We all know when your homie getting chubby what's going on over there. You, you know the vibes, huh? You, you know when you pull up, you know when you pull up on your man and you're like, "Hey man, what's going on?" You're, you you know you, you put on ten or fifteen and he's sitting there smiling. You know all he's doing is you know fucking and eating. That's all he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> all he, she said it was all just soda bottles everywhere in his house. Hey, <laughs> man, you know? man needed man needed a refreshment. You know, like he got it. You got you got to have him at every station that it is willing to go down at. You know, maybe he need a little. Little, little Mountain Dew pick me up. I don't know, man. I mean, just the numbers alone. Like she was screenshotting wire transfers for twenty five grand and for thirty grand and for ten grand and for fifteen grand, and it's a drop in the bucket for the dudes like that. I can dig it. It just it's, I ain't, it's I ain't so, know you could wire. I ain't know you could sell that much. Hey, what? there ain't no sale. <laughs> there ain't no sale. What is, what is that? <laughs> what, what kind that of is, no, no. it? <laughs> Ho facts. That, that ain't no. That ain't, that ain't no. That ain't no Zell. <laughs> you crazy as hell. <laughs> ain't no. Ain't no Venmo action going on there. That is Western Union, sir. <laughs> How much does it take to get to the center of a tootsie pop? <laughs> right, Gucci. Yeah, boys out here making bad decisions, brother. <laughs> Time for some commercial. 
Hey, it's Len Casper, the radio voice of the White Sox. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. Hey, Tony, are you worried about Tim Anderson? His health or his career as a White Sox? Hey, Tony, are you worried about Tim Anderson? Yes. That's the only correct answer. Tim Anderson uh, has not had a good last 365 days. So much so that uh, I I found a dude who I'm now following, at Jay Kuda uh, on Twitter. He posts about White Sox and MLB statistics. It's right there in his bio. But he threw out a graph said, Tim Anderson's numbers compared over the last four 365-day periods. So the last four years put together. Listen to this, Tony Gill. June 9th, 2019 to June 9th, 2020. 67 games played, nine home runs, 28 RBI, seven ground into double plays, 346 batting average, 361 OBP, 521 slug, OPS of 882. That's that's premium Tim Anderson. That's like MVP caliber Tim Anderson from a few years ago. Then the next one-year period, June 9th, 2020 to 2021, 97 games, so that's 30 more games. 16 home runs, 44 RBI, four grounded in the double play, but the batting average, 30 points less. The OBP, 12 points less. The slugging, ooh, 36 points less. The OPS, 48 points below. So 882 to 834. Then the one-year period between June 9th, 2021 and June 9th, 2022, This is where it starts to get a little, you know, 116 games, 16 home runs, 57 RBI, nine grounded double plays, but the the batting average, 328, still amazing, right? OBP, 357, outstanding. Slugging, 495, terrific, right? 852 to rebound. So he's had three really, really good years leading up to what will be this final 365-day period. Listen to these numbers. From June 9th, 2022 to June 9th, 2023. 85 games. Tim Anderson has hit one home run. One home run. He's got 16 RBI. He's grounded into 12. 12 double plays. By the way, that's more than the first and second year in this graph combined. His batting average has been 256. Far cry from 328, 312, and 346. His on-base percentage, 293. His slugging, 301. Tim Anderson has had an OPS of 594 in the last 365 days of baseball, which includes 85 games, so a decent enough sample size. That's half a season. I don't know... If this is one of those things where a change of scenery is needed, I'm not talking about like selling them off as some White Sox fan who doesn't appreciate Tim Anderson, all this other shit that everybody's throwing out out there. Like, but whether it be the injuries 
whether it be the stressors of the whole uh, face of black baseball thing that, you know, got thrown on him a few years back, being called Little Ricky and then, you know, uh, Jackie and the Josh Donaldson situation that was famously documented. Um, Remember him going on Bomani Jones' podcast and setting the record straight. Tim doesn't do a whole bunch of public appearances at all. We put in for Tim a couple of times on this podcast. But whatever is happening, if Tim Anderson is going to be the future of this franchise, because he definitely is the present, but if he's going to be the future of this franchise, this thing is going to have to get turned around here quickly. And I don't know if it can, because I don't know if that atmosphere and that environment, and yeah, they won, what, six of their last eight, you know, tough series against the Miami Marlins. Marlins are pretty good. Marlins got some pretty damn good young talent, by the way. Uh, Tough series against the Marlins, getting ready to go see the Dodgers now. And now this Tim Anderson to the Dodgers conversation is starting to pop up. Trade deadline. This is the month, right? This is the put up a shut up month. And on top of it, you're playing in this horrific ass division. Like, even if you win this division, I don't think you're good enough to make any noise in the playoffs because you win in this division. <laughs> this division is ass. But this is the month where you got to figure out what you are before the trade deadline. We know what the Sox are. The division is just weighted on them. But they're not a good baseball team. Whether it be guys not running the first base, whether it be guys bobbling routine plays, whether it be uh, not throwing to the right, all these things have happened. And for a while there, they weren't happening with Tim Anderson, but they've consistently happened with Tim Anderson over the last, I don't know, you know, half a season to a season. And the data is right there for you. We're out here tracking sprint speeds of Major League Baseball players. That's how bad it's gotten because guys aren't running the first base. The Tim Anderson era in Chicago might be coming to an end. And boy, would that be unfulfilling. For everything that was promised, hell, for everything that you expected, not just promises. Like expectations are one thing, promises are another thing. You could promise me something and not come through, and that's just because circumstances, whatever the case may be. But my expectations are different. That means you have shown me something and I should expect it. And this White Sox team, you talk about a loud nothing. If we're all, all of a sudden at the end of this month talking about Lucas G. Lito being elsewhere, Mike Clevenger probably being else, somewhere else. Hell, there are going to be people who are kicking the tires on Dylan Cease if this tough month of June doesn't go the way that White Sox fans and the White Sox organization would like for it to go. Tim Anderson is right there. He is right there. And there have been a lot of athletes that have come through this city that I have uh, not gotten a chance to know but respected from afar. I kind of felt that way for a long time about Tim Anderson. And there's nothing that has happened um, on the field that have made me feel different about that. But this thing is not going in the right direction. The offseason interaction with Chuck Garfine and pretty much telling everybody, like, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be on our side and all that. Hey, man, y'all motherfuckers got to play better. And he knows that. He's a no-nonsense dude. But this, <laughs> there's enough data here that tracks that something is happening and is going the wrong way for Tim Anderson. Now, 
obviously, as Tim Anderson goes, the White Sox go. And Tim Anderson hasn't felt like Tim Anderson in, in a year. So it should be of no surprise, right? But I just don't know, you know, as he gets two days off, you know, one schedule and then the schedule day off. Ah, this Dodger series is very important. This next two weeks, very, very important in the career of Tim Anderson here as a Chicago White Sox. And I didn't think I would be saying that two years ago at all. I thought this dude was going to be a, a 10, 11, 12-year dude. It was what? Last week was 10 years ago that he was added to the organization. Like, we've watched Tim Anderson grow up. And he's still got growing to do. <laughs> There's a lot of things that are circulating and a lot of things in the air. I wish the best for him and all of his loved ones. If he's hurt still, you know, if he's playing through injury, hey, I could dig it. But in the end, as Jimmy Butler said, you know, about his ankle, no one cares. It sucks. It's unfair. But that that's what comes with the price tag. That's what comes with all the things of being Tim Anderson and being the Chicago White Sox face and one of the faces of baseball. These are the pressures that come along with it. So it sucks, but you got to figure it out. I did not think that I would be sitting here with a couple of weeks you know, before the trade deadline and thinking, man, is Tim Anderson going to be a White Sox? That's where we are, though. This team is underwhelmed, underperformed. Hell, I don't even know if Pedro Grafol is a good manager. I can't tell. <laughs> That's how bad it's gotten. Even in winning. Even when they've played better. <laughs> and Liam Hendricks is now going on the 15-day injured list because of inflammation in his elbow after his bout with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And coming back, like this has been a forgettable year and a half, two years. As a White Sox fan, probably as as dudes in that clubhouse, as members of that organization, this has been dreck. So with all that to boot, for Tim Anderson to be this much of a worry right now, I didn't think it would be happening. I didn't see it. I didn't see it happening, but we're here now. These next two weeks are going to be vital, not only for the White Sox, but for all the Tim Anderson fans out there. Because these trade talks are starting to percolate a little bit. And if there's a person, you know, if they, we were talking about player A on Team X, and you described a situation maybe that Tim Anderson was going through right now, if there's a person that I think maybe would welcome a change of scenery. Might be your boy. And it sucks. Because... This thing was not supposed to feel, look, smell, taste, and act like this. It's just uh, another turn, another twist in the Chicago White Sox saga. Uh, Even while they're winning baseball games, there are things that are coming up. So uh, the Tim Anderson part, we'll keep an eye out here on the Full Go podcast and continue to try to poke and prod and figure out what different angle we can attack this thing from. But yeah, man, this this is an official thing now. This last couple of weeks, there have been more and more rumblings about Tim Anderson and about, you know, his play and what's happened to his production. So it's uh, it's definitely something that White Sox fans can add to their calendar and uh, continue last year's summer of discontent to this summer of bewilderment as they play in the worst division in all of baseball and the Twins and them boys are still allowing them to be in it. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep you abreast right here on the Full Go Podcast. That's all the time we have on episode 253 of the Full Go Podcast. I want to thank our guest, Keith Smith. Make sure you're following him at Twitter handle at Keith Smith NBA. Uh, he works for Spot Track, 
And of course, the front office show, he threw out some some tidbits about the extension or the the pending extension of one Patrick Williams and had people in the city uh, talking about Patrick Williams' pockets. So I figured it'd be best for him to come on and explain it. So thank you to Keith for doing that. I want to thank our production staff, uh, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, my main man, Tony Gill, and the chief vibes officer of the pod. He is Chris Sutton and his never-ending, never-dying love for the Miami Heat. He is promising the Heat in seven. Uh, I'm sure FanDuel and the good folks at FanDuel Sportsbook and FanDuel TV want to take that all the way to the bank. It'll go in the long line of great bets that the Full Go podcast put out there for you. And we had another one for you at the top of this pod that I hope you follow as well on Monday's uh, coronation of the Denver Nuggets. So we will holler at y'all on Tuesday. Uh, make sure you keep the voicemail line intact. 773-359-3103. 773-359-3103. If you ever want to drop a dime on us, make sure you do it there. Hey, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Once again, thank you for downloading this thing. Thank you for subscribing to this thing. Thank you for following it and sharing it with your friends and family. Thank you for rating and reviewing this thing and giving it the five stars you know it needs. If not, we will see you in the streets. We will catch you on Tuesday. Uh, I think we'll be talking about the eventual champion, Denver Nuggets. We'll have more Sox and Cubs talk as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. Is Marcus Stroman going to be a Cub long-term? Is Tim Anderson, like we mentioned in this pod, on the trade block? Uh, What's Lucas Giolito's fate? Mike Clevenger. Uh, The summer of trades, seemingly, is what we're going to continue to talk about here on the Full Go Podcast, along with the other things. So we'll catch you all on Tuesday. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other. Be safe. And remember to stay sucker free. Must be 21 and over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800- Nine with it in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y in New York.